in the downtown district of Mordek in the language of the dwarves, and the grove of the stone giant in the language of the elves. Our heroes, the Lord's Tailor, find themselves witnessing a timeless performance. The Eldar clan of ancient moon elves have a tendency to find themselves performing this play at the perfect place and the perfect time so as to make a precise impact on the course of history. Though our heroes have heard their world referred to by the name Herrick Prime, they have no sense of the origin of those words or their historical context. Special Episode 2 Origins A play performed by the Eldar clan. When they first appear on stage, the Moon Elves are so clearly different from Mumu or any other being they have seen as they are magical creatures whose appearance is almost as though viewed through a soft lens, with a bluish aura that highlights their gray-blue skin and glowing gray eyes. They speak with a slow cadence, wasting no sound or motion in their performance. They use illusion magic in lieu of costumes and play their roles with incredible skill. The play opens with five male elves sitting around a regal table in a massive formal hall. While they appear as elves, their forms are enormous, perhaps 20 feet in height, and the setting is equally large in scale. There is a wood elf, a sun elf, a moon elf, a sea elf, and an elf-like creature does not look like any elf they know. The table has one empty chair, and the five male elves are immersed in a tense discussion. The wood elf shakes his head. Her presence is destabilizing. The sea elf interjects. Her progeny are prone to violence. The unique elf-like creature is visibly upset, and his tone is both pleading and defensive. But, but she is one of us. We should not hold this meeting without her. Slowly, the Sun Elf makes eye contact with the Wooden Sea Elves. He peers down his nose at the elf-like creature and says, Herrick's judgment has been compromised by his feelings for Ferzris. He is not objective in this matter. The Wooden Sea Elves nod enthusiastically, while the Moon Elf sits motionless. Herrick, the name by which the elf-like creature is called, stands up angrily and points at the Sun Elf. It is your jealousy of our relationship that serves as the impetus for this outrageous act of treachery. Saliva is boiling out of its mouth. Some of it lands on the Sun Elf's golden face. Enough of this. Let's vote. The Wood Elf interjects. All in favor of ejecting Ferzris and her progeny from the realm of Ethral, say I. I, says the Sun Elf. I, the Wood Elf nods. I, the Sea Elf lowers his gaze. The entire group turns and their gaze falls upon the Moon Elf, who still remains motionless. Nay! Herrick shouts. This isn't right! He glares at the Moon Elf. The Moon Elf says nothing. The eyes have it. The Sun Elf stands up. Ferzris shall be expelled from this realm. Herrick stands up and put his finger in the Sun Elf's face. This vote is a fraud! Ferzris should be here and the vote should be tied three to three! The Sun Elf glances at the Moon Elf. Actually, the vote is 3-2 with one abstention. 
Lunasis, how can you do this? You know this is wrong. Herrick drops to a knee and grabs the hand of the moon elf, bows his head. Please vote no. After a long pause, Lunasis, the moon elf, lowers his eyes and says, I am sorry, Herrick, but her presence drives a wedge between us and peace is impossible. She will never agree. This will end with war. Herrick turns and storms out of the room. Lunasis turns to the other elves and lowers his voice. If you push this to war, we'll hold you responsible. His finger levels the sun elf. Then he turns and leaves. As the scene ends, the other elves look at each other, but say nothing. The pace of the play picks up with several scenes of war, pitting Herrick and Ferzris, who looks like a female drow of perfect form, against the sun elf, who is flanked by the wooden sea elves in every fight. Lunasis does not appear in any battle. It is clear that the sun elf is the most powerful of the combatants, and in each battle, Herrick and Ferzris suffer defeat. In the last of the battles, Ferzris suffers a terrible injury, and Herrick is forced to take her and flee. The final scene opens with Herrick and Ferzris hiding in a cave. They're huddled over a small fire, wearing torn and dirty cloaks that stand in sharp contrast to the beautiful clothes and settings of the previous scenes. Despite the trying conditions, Ferzris is still startlingly beautiful and her charisma fills the theater. Every heart is drawn to her. She speaks in a gentle voice. If you surrender now, they will let you live. Never! Herrick shakes his head violently, but with a defeated lilt. You must make sure that my progeny live on. That is my wish. Ferzris brushes his hair gently, as a loud crash brings them both to their feet. Herrick draws a glowing staff from his cloak and plants it firmly on the ground before him. The rocks around them begin to fall, but did not fall on the two lovers. A massive hole opens above them and a blinding light shines through. The light seems to weaken Ferzris as she stumbles, collapses, even as Herrick struggles to support her. The voice of the Sun Elf roars through the earth. Leave her! Herrick is visibly weakened, shaking, magical auras seem to surround and suffocate him. He collapses, but then begins to levitate out of the scene. That Sun Elf descends onto the stage on a hovering sphere of sunlight, even as Herrick disappears from his grasp. The Sun Elf raises his scepter of light, says a prayer to the sun, and stabs the butt of the scepter through Ferzers' chest. A ray of sunlight tears her body apart. Ferzers shudders and disappears. A gasp runs through the crowd, and many are visibly brought to tears, even as a few outraged shouts fall on stunned ears. The scene ends, but this is only intermission. The lights come up to a stunned audience, many of whom are too emotional to move. After a short break, the second act starts with Herrick, by himself in an ornate wizard tower. Herrick is cackling, chuckling to himself as he mixes a glowing bowl of uncooperative ooze. <laughs> Just a little more essence of ocean, he whispers to himself as he splashes a small amount of fluid from one of the many nearby flasks. He picks up a wand and attempts to cast a spell, which backfires and burns his hand. He drops the wand and it shatters against the floor as magical ooze flickers and then falls apart. Damn it! Another failure! Herrick murmurs and steps back, looking defeated. 
a small, normal-sized female drow hurries into the room to sweep up the remains of the shattered wand. She looks up at the enormous elf-like creature that is Herrick and says, You know, you, you, Master, you shouldn't be killing yourself. The new world is nearly complete. We don't need the other elves, says the drow as she sort of guides him to a nearby chair. Vamir, I have told you a thousand times. All of the elves must live on my world. Only then can we prove that the sun elf was wrong, that the elves can live together, that he murdered Ferzers out of jealousy and not in our interests. Herrick seems determined as he struggles to lift his head and collapses into the chair. In the next scene, Herrick is visited by Lunassus, who pleads with him to stop his mad experiments and rejoin the world of Ethril, which he has apparently abandoned. Herrick refuses and seems to be keeping many secrets from Lunassus, particularly the presence of the drow and the goals of his ultimate plan. The final scene opens with Herrick summoning creatures of every type and pushing them through a large portal in his wizard tower. The drow are nearby, armed with bows, as Herrick summons creature after creature and forcefully shoves them into the portal. Some of the creatures he summons are humans, dwarves, gnomes, halflings, orcs, dragons, goblins, trolls, gnolls, and every other kind of wild beast you can imagine. One by one, he creates them from the ether and then pushes them into the portal. After a long time, he seems to have finished. Bring me the prisoners, Herrick shouts. The drow spring into action and lead in blindfolded elves of normal size. The first 10 are sun elves, then wood elves, then sea elves, and then moon elves. Each is led one by one into the portal by two drow. The drow step to, through, taking each prisoner with them. Some of the elves appear to resist being led through the portal, but Herrick quickly overpowers them with magic and compels them to enter. As the prisoners are being led through, light gathers outside the wizard tower, and soon the drow are visibly distressed, as the sunlight burns their skin. The remaining drow scurry about gathering their things as Herrick steps towards the window. You are too late, sun elf! You cannot stop me now! Herrick smiles and laughs, <laughs> as the light begins to incinerate his tower. He turns to the remaining drow. Go through the portal to the new world! I will not let them follow! With great effort, Herrick draws himself into an upright position and smiles at the cowering drow. Go now and make Ferzers proud! One by one, the drow hurry to him, bow their heads, and then run through the portal. When the last one makes it through, Herrick begins to cast another spell. Almost as soon as he begins, the sun elf bursts into the room on a wave of light. The towering god of light waves his hand and throws Herrick violently against the wall. His spell interrupted. The portal is still open. Both the sea and wood elf gods move quickly towards the portal. To their surprise, the portal shifts and moves as they approach, and they find themselves chasing an illusion in a futile circle. They halt, and the wood elf shouts, Show yourself, Lunassus. You should stay out of this. Lunassus comes into clarity before them, in what seems to be an illusion. He says to Herrick, Go with them, Herrick. I will close the portal. The sun elf erupts in a ball of sunlit fury. How dare you, Lunassus? He has kidnapped our kin. Herrick smiles weakly as the sun and moon elves square off. 
and nods thankfully to Lunasis. He limps to the portal but does not go through. His hands fall upon the portal's surface and he begins to close it, sealing himself here to his fate. The Wood Elf attempts to stop him. The Sun Elf God fires a beam of light at the Moon Elf who reflects it easily, redirecting it into the Wood Elf, singeing him badly as he attempts to restrain Herrick. Enraged, the Sun Elf turns towards Herrick and throws his scepter. As the scepter takes flight, Herrick drops to his knees and closes his eyes. The back of his head is exposed to the scepter, but his hands remain on the portal. As the scepter splits his skull in two, sun magic surges through his body, and the portal slams shut. Herrick falls dead, and the others stay their hand. Calmly, Lunasis walks to the Wood Elf God and lays his hands upon the wounds, healing. The others remain motionless. The Sun Elf God stares at his compatriots, but none will meet his gaze. The heavy hand. The Sun Elf picks up his scepter and leaves the scene. The remaining three elves drop to their knees and give their respects to Herrick. They sob quietly while reminiscing on his greatness. The play ends and the curtain falls on this wrenching scene. Though many have seen this play before, there's not a dry eye in the house. Many of the dwarves and some of the gnomes and elves are openly sobbing, as sniffing as they hug each other in the audience. The curtain falls in silence. The crowd rises to its feet as one with a bone-shaking roar. <laughs>